Oh, we got to do a disclaimer too. Do we? What's the disclaimer? Okay. So um, a few episodes ago, uh, it was made aware to us that uh, the main character 002 was using a masculine pronoun for all right her slash himself and then uh our last couple of guests we talked about it and uh it's a it's a gray area but just given the content of the show um anyway there's no expectations so so, so you weren't you weren't convinced by the bokuko um argument last last i'm just gonna say that uh the story overall feels very gray to me i guess it was established in the fairy tale book that the main characters is basing her life on the characters that they're they're playing out are the roles are switched like hero what he's doing in his life is actually what the beast does and zero two who thinks she's a beast is actually doing the things in the role of the prince so like hero was the one that saw zero two first and went through these efforts i don't have the whole thing but it was just an interesting argument anyway okay, okay. just the whole idea yeah. of like role reversals just was very interesting to me yeah anyway we don't have to get into the weeds yeah we're not no 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 so welcome everyone to pen pen pals to episode 15 of our coverage of darling and the franks mm-hmm. uh this is alex and this is brian hey and i'm ben uh and this week we have a cool super cool maybe like celebrity status guest uh we're really not talking up too much but yes. we're really uh, uh excited to have on pete lepage oh thank you Welcome thank you. you definitely not a celebrity but i appreciate what you're trying to do for me <laughs> right on um and so for anybody who doesn't know pete lepage brian what what is pete lepage from well we i think uh most like youtube people might know pete from comic book club uh also the podcast um, really diverse offerings uh, in terms of like uh, just weekly coverage of comics, interviews with industry people, uh, covering all kinds of media related to comics. Uh, I don't know, Pete, how you find the time for it. Uh, it's like, too it, much. It's way too it much. It's exhausting. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I don't know how I keep getting conned into it, but, um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's fun uh, to be able to kind of talk about uh, stuff that you love to do and watch. So, you know, uh, ends up being enjoyable uh, for me very much so. So I'm watching it anyway, so might as well talk about it afterwards. You know what I mean? Right on, right on. So I know that there's a lot of people um, doing content creation and uh, involved in the comics world. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just I'm going to give Pete a, a good plug here. So one of the things that I feel like uh, is a standout is um, like specifically uh, if you watch Comic Book Club, you know, there's three different personalities. And I feel like uh, Pete brings like the feels, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to put it. Yeah. Exactly, if but... it's like Captain Planet, I'm heart. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if that helps, you know what I mean? Do you have a monkey? Always. Yeah. <laughs> so I personally like, I mean, there's so many comics on the stands that are coming out every week. It's hard to choose what you're going to go for. Like, I want to be able to lose myself in a story. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. I, like, I want to like emotionally connect with yeah. what the artist and the writer are doing. Uh, so thank you for uh, helping us find those kind of things. Oh, th- yeah, yeah, man. I really appreciate what you're saying. And that was really uh, nice of you and worded so cool. Like, I've never thought about it that way. But yeah, it's this thing of like, when something speaks to me, I definitely like to be like, oh, man, you got to, you know, uh, check this out. And it's nice to have a, a, a platform and a chance to do that because, you know, 
we're not getting paid anything, so we might as well be doing it for the love. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> right on. so, so Peter, are you also an anime manga kind of guy? or? Yeah, I mean, light. You know, I don't want to, you know, I there are certain, certain things in life that I have years of experience in with comics and certain things, but anime is just one of those things where, like, I've I've loved it my whole life. Like Nasca and the Valley of, of the Wind was like mm-hmm. my first like whole or like needle scratch. Like what's going on? Why isn't everybody yeah. just talking about mm. this? It's it's not like deep anime knowledge. Like I, I this is the first time I've seen this uh, show. So like, but I you know Vampire Hunter D when I was a kid in oh, college yeah. and like doing stuff. So like. Yeah, I've I, I've always been a, a huge fan of animation and like you know growing up, uh, like I did in the eighties, nineties, like you know GI Joe raised me. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> those PSAs like saved my my, but also confused me because like I remember one episode I went to school and was like walked right up to my bully like oh we all know better now because we watched gi joe right and he still <laughs> oh beat me up and took my lunch money and i was like what have we not learned anything he didn't, he didn't watch gi joe did not no. watch it check first you should check first no did, television in that household yeah did, yeah did you guys all watch those meme ones where they like redubbed pork chop sandwiches oh yeah, yeah those were hilarious yeah a friend of mine uh, like uh redub things to um make like rap videos and stuff like that where it's like oh, cool you know serpentor uh spitting a rap and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh so we have a lot in common cool so transformers here or just gi joe oh yeah transformers and gi okay. joe I tapped out at Beast Wars, though. That's where I was. I, I don't know what it was, but it didn't hit me right. Is this CGI, right? Probably. Like, no yeah. more hand I was like, I'm a hand animation guy, yeah. <laughs> also, same time, Captain Bucky O'Hare came out, and that became my jam. Bucky, so. Captain Bucky and aliens and toads beware. Yeah, just unbelievable. Because Larry Hama did it. Also <gasps> oh. did G.I. Joe. So. Yeah, he does yeah. the G.I. Joe comic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For anyone out there that doesn't know the G.I. Joe comic, it is much more sophisticated than the after-school cartoon from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But it was like back when we did live shows, one time Larry Hama was in the audience. Oh, and wow. Like, and he like came to see the show. Never, like we tried to reach out to him for like years. He just checked it out one time. How, how, did, you, how did you guys make that connection? You know, like when you you know it was a small black box theater so it was like you know i don't know maybe 30 people in there and there was like after the show the lights come on and it's like there's larry hama sitting there it's hard to miss so you just like i just freaked out i was like holy shit larry hama you know what i mean and he was like ah you know like didn't know what to do and i was like oh i'm a huge fan i was like you should be on the show not watching the show and then he was like yeah 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 and then yeah we never heard from him again yeah yeah, I mean, when someone's like really well known in the industry, like there's weird sociology that starts to come out. Like, so I was at like Wizard World convention. I was in the restroom, and then all of a sudden, right up next to me comes uh, Max, uh, the World War Z author, son of Mel- Max. Oh Brooks, yeah. son of Mel yeah. Brooks. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh. Cool. And I was like, don't say anything because we're standing at urinals. I'm like, <laughs> so I just go over to wash my hands. And then, same thing, he comes right up to me to wash my hands. I was like, hey, Max Brooks, uh, loved World War Z. And he was like, oh, all right, cool, thanks. And then um, I walk out, and he just by coincidence is walking the same direction as me. And I'm like, 
I saw your panel discussion and I, it was really great, by the way. And he's like, hey, it was really nice meeting you. Thanks anyway. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was, like, I was here first, man. <laughs> he's like, you've exceeded my limit of what I can deal with. Stop following me. Stop following me. <laughs> anyway, if you're listening, Max, nice guy. Uh, <laughs> come on the show. We really want to talk about uh, not your father's career. Yeah. Uh, uh, does anybody have anything, any news or any cool stuff before? Uh, I just had a little that? tidbit. Mm-hmm. This is just kind of interesting because it's sort of has to deal with just like the theme of the season anime we're covering. Uh, there's a uh, Japanese concept artist, uh, Hanasaku Iroha did an interview with a, a gaming magazine and was, um, you know, is kind of known for like being a fan service artist. You know, there, there's folks like that in the comic industry. Sure. But, um, you know, they were on there to talk about their like super sexy concept art character designs. And, and uh, Iroha was like, you know, I, I really just want to start making characters that people relate to. And it's hard to relate to a character if like you're just looking at them for sexual gratification. So they're like, I'm going to start pulling back on that. <laughs> and then it turned into a really short interview. But I just thought it was a really interesting thing <laughs> interesting. to come up because like, it's also come up in the discussion of this anime. Like, oh, yeah. Last time on The Beast, The Prince, and Ichigo, Hiro and Zero Two finally remembered that they knew each other way back when, but Ichigo stepped in just in time, you know, before they could talk about this revelation. Zero Two bit down her claws, then clawed up their room in a desperate attempt to keep from killing Squad 13 before Hiro could be reached. Hiro recovered in a hospital room and tried to allay everyone's fears. Ichigo tried bonding and talking sense into Hiro, but inadvertently provided him with his means of escape. The group eventually followed Kokoro and Goro's lead, deciding that Zero Two and Hiro deserved a supervised visit. A tragedy of errors ensued, culminating in Zero Two's boiling over, the squad getting absolutely wrecked, Hiro making assumptions, and then finally telling Zero Two that they are a monster, the thing they really didn't want to hear. With Hiro benched without a partner or Franks to pilot, Ichigo confessed her love for Hiro while disregarding his emotional state and Goro's eavesdropping. And Zero Two returned to the Nines for the assault on the Grand Crevasse. Will we see the nines in action? Will any Franks ever get a new paint job? Whatever happened to Squad 26? <laughs> Let's find out. Ooh. All right. All right. So if we're all ready, mm-hmm. um, I just had a pop up. All right. Three, two, one, play. Oh, and this is another prestige format oh. episode. We don't get an opening. Cerasis. This mission has but one objective. Take control of the area known as the Grand Crevasse. Hey, look. Wow. So that Hellcat is like really badass looking, right? We all agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The lioness? <laughs> Hells yeah. Yeah, it's a great design. Great shot the way they kind of like walk through the smoke and stuff. Not a fan of the chair people. <laughs> you have strong instincts. Yeah, so just a little trivia here. This mech design they're showing, uh, this is much closer to the original concept art for the Franks, which were much more like insectoid looking. Ooh, cool. Also, they're being very casual, thro- going into a place that, like, they're way outnumbered and there's crazy casualties. Yeah. Come on, man. There's no need I to I love that so shot down. where they're all like super pose. Yeah. yeah. He's not we'll part fine, of the group promise. looking at them. He's like, cool. Yeah, like, 
for us. Extra posing on All him, too. To Look at that. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Don't over. pose on me. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that's an anime trope, but I feel oh, like when they do that, Please that means everything's going to go really yeah. badly. <laughs> and after that is when it all went downhill. Like one, one last group picture yeah, with the yeah, game yeah. before <laughs> someone dies. For Krabass. Put a little extra on it. I like it when people say crevasse. So, so is is crevice and crevasse? Are those really? I guess crevasse is bigger than a crevice. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. It's the maximum. It's the most (laughs) crevicey thing. (laughs) (laughs) Becomes a crevasse. Mm -hmm. And there's like a piece of what is that other thing? A crevasse? What? what are you talking about? Piece of like, it's a really fancy thing. It's like a corsage for a guy. Dude, this maybe. half man, half metal dude is crazy. Does he remind What's you of Doctor Wily from Mega Man? Oh yeah, definitely, What's very that? much so. You guys, is that? So I just wrote this down as the sad guy. Oh, yes. Yeah. When did it happen? When was it? So the training module just has like a thing for loaves of bread <laughs> yeah. okay or or pizza yeah. you know for a, well, for an oven yeah. pizza, yeah. Uh, it's a little oven. thin for that but i think it's an ore in Ooh. case he has to go into the water he thought he could take everybody down with an ore <laughs> when all you have is an ore every problem looks like a river <laughs> <It's> deep <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> all right so our last guest was saying that this episode s- sort of follows like another fairy tale format uh Braving the forest, swimming the moat, scaling the mountain, uh-huh. storming the castle, rescue the damsel, slay the dragon. By just running in with no weapon or any way to fight, just mm-hmm. kind of showing up. Or maybe that's what yep. the, the ore is for. Hero was still thinking about uh, crossing the moat. Um, the oh, moat. wow. There's something to that ore thing, too. So there's this in Gilgamesh. Yeah. Uh, Gilgamesh has to cross this like river of death as you uh, paddle it eats your oars oh and so he has to fashion a bunch of oars to try to get himself across um, but I think it's even not enough in the last few feet he has to like paddle himself mm. and that starts killing yeah, him yeah when you paddle yourself it's that hurts <laughs> he like you know has this oar and he's gonna yeah. get through this river of death these uh claxosaurs and the ore isn't enough even at the end he's bleeding yeah. because he had to use his own body to get past them awesome all right uh does anybody need to take a break before we actually just i can go through in the in the interest of time sounds good all right so this is episode 15 um this sort of like concludes act one i guess maybe no this would be like act two act two well i guess there's been a mystery about zero two's background we get the stuff revealed. Everyone wants to see Hero and Zero Two get together. And in this episode, like they deal with the rift between them and they become, uh, as the episode is called, the Gian. The two birds with one wing each that join and they're able to fly together. Wow. Mm. So anyway, getting into it. Resolution isn't where we start. We start with everything being crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's a mission briefing. Uh, the caretakers, uh, Nana and Hachi, they're talking about, hey, you've been doing really great killing these claxosaurs one at a time, but here's the grand crevasse. And there's like monsters just pouring out like a fire hydrant out of multiple points of these things. Uh, so instead of squad 13 going out, uh, they're going to be joining other squads. And so they are like, I can't wonder what to call it, but it's like group number six. So there's several groups of several squads all mm-hmm. dealing with this thing. And uh, we go see, 
you know, the the overlords in their delicately balanced chairs. <laughs> um, and for whatever reason, they they are really, really interested in this crevasse. And uh, they're they're willing to do whatever to like take this thing. So Oh, real quick, before we go any further, uh, I love the framing of the episode. This is like a prestige format episode, mm-hmm. right? Where we have no intro song. We go completely cold into the open and even the ending, the credits roll over continued dialogue and plot. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not like an after credits scene. It's like, hey, you want to know what happens? This is what happens. And there was this weird the title card that said code zero, zero, zero which I didn't really catch that, but it also said Ceresis when it was showing the plantation. So I wonder if that's the first time we actually got the name of our plantation uh, or plantation 13, Ceresis. Ceresis is a genus uh, uh, that includes cherry trees. Mm -hmm. So it could be that that's some sort of, we may be looking at like a cherry for some sort of symbolism. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so in the mission briefing, we get to see some footage and squads... 13 gets to see where zero two has been. I guess what we're supposed to take away from this is like all the other pilots that she's been, that have been reserved for her to use are now all dead. I don't know how many was like dozens maybe of these other (laughs) soldiers. So uh, she's with uh, the nines, like the elite squad that answers to the ape council. Yeah. It's the first time we get to see them in action, right? We've been like, wanting to see them for a while mm-hmm. and they are portrayed as very impressive yeah. and they they have standardized franks as well but they're not the same as the ones before did you have something yeah. about that uh uh the design that it was like before? yeah so when they were planning the show um they hired some really interesting concept artists one of them named huke uh he did the the mech designs and they were really exotic like insectoid looking things that reminded me of like aura battle or dunbine They ditched it. Uh, someone on the trigger side just insisted on sexy robots. Mm. But it feels like maybe A1 finally got their way because like the nines, they really do look like uh, the, the original Huke designs. Uh, mm. So that's that's uh, a nice treat. They do still have breasts, but much oh, more the, the nine the squ- nines? Yeah. Oh, I did. They look like Strelitzia's chest. Uh, I was just checking out those shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a shoulder man. <laughs> Yeah, so what's weird is like, I don't know if this is the first time we've seen this. Uh, The the ruling council, uh, they're like in this low orbit satellite, but it's like a whole freaking plantation, but with these extra attachments, it looks like a windmill or something. It's crazy big. Uh, And then Franks is up there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, Franks doesn't want to hang out up there. He wants the front row seat. He wants to be in plantation 13 which is like actually on the battlefield which is another weird thing because like these things are the remnant of humanity they're like the last cities mobile cities on earth and these things are right up on like the front lines yeah it doesn't seem safe (laughs) some real osha violations here Yeah. So, so, so there's something before where they're like, oh, you know, we've never seen like the Klaxosaurus come this far before or something like that. Like, so, so is there supposed to be something going on where it's like they've drained so much magma that like these two, you know, people and the Klaxosaurus are really like butting heads now competing over the magma mm. or something like that? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, 
I think they just want us to get that feeling like this is the big fight. This is the, the, the final fight. Uh, so high stakes, which is weird at episode 15. Yeah. Of a, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, 24 this is also the theory. episode that sort of resolves the big conflict for the main character. Yeah. I was really surprised how much happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. It was like action packed yeah. from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Strelitzia in its berserk form, the lioness, it's like almost black. It's like, I don't know if it's just the lighting, but it looks very menacing. Yeah, it's. I think it's the lighting, but it's also like physically eating pieces of the class. Yeah, I don't think we've seen that very, before. Uh, unit zero one from Ava, like mm-hmm. eating one of the angels and absorbing its core. And there's like heat coming out of its breath. Love it. So um, there's a lot of smack talk going on. The nines are there. They're like, hey, <laughs> look at all this carnage. Woo. Yeah, they're way too <laughs> into it. so this is also kind of a big reveal we see that the nines they sort of buck the the system like what we've only been shown so far is like the women in the pistol position uh which i describe as being like in a motorcycle position but other people disagree that's fine and then like the men being in more of like the traditional fighter pilot cockpit position uh but with the nines they mix it all up and they do every which way they got guys and guys and girls and girls and the girls behind the guys yeah mix it up you know yeah the gender bending squad uh, yeah they, they, they do it all and then uh what else was really interesting is like i don't know I, I always thought it was like energy discharge or something like the horns yeah. they all they all have it so we get to see a, a familiar squad. Um, we met squad 26 a few episodes ago, and they just look like, well, they all looked kind of the same, but they still looked like the same type of pilots we've seen from squad 13. But now they all have gray hair. Oof. And we've done some speculation about, you know, are these kids grown in Petri dishes? Is there accelerated development happening? Uh, but these folks are uh, aging quicker. Yeah, I mean, war, you know, ages you. You know what I mean? You got to. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you remember? I don't know if you saw that it's a little bit humorous, but I guess it's serious. Like the before and after pictures of Barack Obama oh, yeah. like, when he first took yeah. office and left. Yeah. It's like, man, that looks like a lot more than eight years. But uh, anyway. Okay. So I, I, I mentioned this uh, briefly, but um, we had a former guest, Theta, who framed this episode in an interesting way. You know, of course, there's this like uh, fairy tale book thing that comes up with Zero Two from childhood. The, the way this this episode was framed was in terms of like another fairy tale format: uh, braving the forest, uh, swimming the moat, scaling the mountain, storming the castle, saving the damsel, slaying the dragon. And we kind of have those beats. But what's called into question is like, like who's doing what? We have the explicit journey of like there's this battle. Uh, but there's also like this internal thing that's going to be that we can talk about a little bit more later uh, that has more to do with like hero and zero two. What is the forest they're in? Because uh, I took a few notes here. There's I think it only comes up in text, but it's like someone's talking and it's like they'll show us what their thoughts might be in text on the screen. And uh, the, the part that uh, Theta would have said was like braving the forest was hero. Like, who am I? What am I doing? Uh, so like, if we're going with that fairy tale motif, it's like, oh, this kid is lost in the woods. And then later when they're like trying to cross the battlefield, um, again, that's articulated as like, so swimming the moat, 
but I don't want to get too far ahead. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to cross the battlefield, like push these, the swarm of cockroach claxosaurs back squad 26. They start getting wrecked. Wow, bullets. Uh, mm -hmm. The nines uh, sort of save the day squad 13. They're not doing that great either. Yeah. Well, that's where they go up to bat, right? Like we see the state of the battlefield and then we see squad 13 uh, saying goodbye to hero, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like squad 13, they do what you should never do. Like before a battle is like, see you on the other side. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> don't worry. No big deal. We'll be back soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to turn the oven off. I feel so confident we're going to be all right. <laughs> And it, and it kind of has been that way so far, right? Like none yeah. of these battles have really gotten that uh -huh. high stakes so far. Yeah. Also, it feels awful when, you know, like you're staying and then everybody else is just like striking a pose and being like, bye. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I love that it's specifically from Hero's mm -hmm. point of view because like that's how he's seeing it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they're all like fucking science ninjas have like <laughs> making that really cool colored pose before they go have the, the time of their lives yeah so uh squad 13 takes the battlefield again there's more comments about whoa these squad 13 look how cute their mechs are and their their fighting style they're so chaotic and all over the place which is a little weird i mean uh, you would think right away when they were seeing the battlefield like wow we're outnumbered <laughs> this doesn't really look that good guys we got to really focus up <laughs> instead of reinforcements getting there and making yeah exactly yeah yeah it yeah. seems like <laughs> we don't even want your help <laughs> oh cool gross mix. i don't want to yeah. help you yeah so the the tone quickly shifts there's this rumbling in the ground and um now this new claxosaur that's bigger than anything they've ever even seen and i think they even call it like the super uh layman class a super layman class i've never even heard of that something that uh, mm. the caretakers haven't even seen before. It's like as big as a mountain. Yeah, the mountains are moving. Mm -hmm. It mm. fits the uh, fairy tale motif of scaling the mountain. And in its emergence, it just upends one of these mobile cities. The thing is just gone. And poor Squad 26, like that's their home. Oof. And then they get the word from... Papa, uh, I can't remember what it was. Order something, something. 32. Order 32. Yeah, 32. So like there's these platforms that load them up with, uh, I assume, magma energy. But, you know, like it's just five of these mechs. What what, what can they really do against something, <clears throat> excuse me, the size of a mountain? And it does stop the thing. It looks kind of like, to me, it looked like one of those uh, Jawa sand crawlers yes, from Star Wars. Yeah. But these big ass tank treads. Yep. And they blow up one of these treads and the thing starts to shift like it's uh, toppling over, but it's got enough juice. It just like rams its face right into Plantation 13, uh, the home of our heroes. And it just vomits out more of these cockroach mechs. Which it's gross. Yeah. You know, it's one thing you're going to break <laughs> into their dome like that, but then to puke all over the place. <laughs> you know, it's, it's adding insult to injury. You know? <laughs> Uh, so then one really interesting thing happens here is Streletzia 02 abandons the front line and goes into uh, Plantation 13. Um, my speculation is like, this is what's known as their home now. And maybe that's like an instinctual well, thing to like defend 
their territory. Oh, I thought it was kind of like, you know, when you say like home or like safe in a battle, you know, when you're like playing tag or something, you say safe, uh, like they can't hit you in there. Mm. You know, maybe it's just like an instinct. <laughs> like if I go home, I'll be that safe. That could be the other instinct. You know? I love this shot that we get where uh, Zero Two in Strelitzia is trying to climb yeah. the vomit stream, the waterfall of Klaxo roaches. Mm-hmm. You cannot run vomit though. No, absolutely not. But it reminded me there's like these legends of carp. Uh, you know, there's like salmon that yeah, swim upstream yeah, mm-hmm. to mate, but there's also these legends of carp that swim upstream. And there's a legend, I think it's Chinese in origin, but it's very popular in Japan too, uh, where a carp, when it gets to a waterfall, it can try to swim up the waterfall. And if it gets over the waterfall, it becomes a dragon. Wow. Oh, and there's like some symbolism of like carp being having like the perfect amount of scales and whatever. But uh, it reminded me of that. And this uh, interesting, like almost gets into the mouth, almost does what Zero Two wants to do in the moment, but can't quite make it like not perfect yet. Can't become that synthesis, that like transformed form. So maybe to the Japanese audience, that's. Maybe what it, it evokes. Mm. Yeah. And, and there is kind of a, a gendered thing where carp is kind of a, a symbol for boys. So there's like Japanese boys day and I think they fly carp streamers. And Whoa. so maybe they're not roaches. These are carpasaurs. Or I think I was saying zero two is like the carp. Yeah. Oh, the sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all mixed up in my lore here. The, the lines are blurring, um, <laughs> as, as Zero Two says after she gets kind of crushed by this stream of carp, right? Yeah, and okay. and then she says, "Someone get get me out of here." So mm-hmm. so that is kind of then like the princess looking to get saved, right? She's okay, but but this is with that text speech again, right? So it's it's kind mm-hmm. of like her her thoughts or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was wondering a little bit since she is part Claxosaur and. Hero is now part Klaxosaur. If this text is supposed to be some kind of, you know, hive mind communication mm, oh, that they have or something. Like in their desperation, they're like calling out to each other, like psychically. Hmm. Yeah. With, with kind of this is, again, you know, uh, maybe me projecting um, Ender's game onto this, but <laughs> you know, the, these Klaxosaurs have a lot of these kind of insectoid things like. We see this like either volcano or kind of like anthill. And, you know, this is like their colony. Or oh, something. I saw yeah. that. I didn't know what that was. They did a few aerial shots. I'm like, is that a volcano over there? Yeah. And I, I think the imagery works with both things. Right. So they're kind of ant like, but then it's also magma and stuff like that. Okay. That, that's how I was interpreting it anyway. You know, so I wonder if the Klaxosaurus all have this kind of communication with each other. And then now maybe... Um, Zero two and, and hero are kind of tapping into some of that. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely something strange going on in Zero Two's mind when we get there. Uh, the text of the internal dialogue. There's like weird things going on with the font and letters that are flipped and capitalized and uncapitalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that is that in the kanji too? Oh no, or is it something that only happens in the subtitle? Because the only time I've ever come across that outside of this is in like internet speak, where like every other letter is capitalized or something, and it means sarcasm. But like I didn't really, I didn't know what it was supposed to convey to me. Mm-hmm. What what section is this? Uh, so it starts. At uh, 926. This is that somebody get me out of here. 
Yes. I, I will say that like uh, the Japanese do like to use uh, like English letter text for stuff uh, for effect. So that might just be the only way it is in like the sub or the dub. I love that oh. in the sub or the dub. <laughs> so the first one they did all in katakana, which is kind of foreign loan words, but it's also almost like, you know, sometimes like italics or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, there's a battle going on. Heroes benched. So he's in the control room, just watching everything with the other uh, Nanahachi and Dr. Franks. And Dr. Franks starts saying this stuff about Zero Two, like, ah, look at this. She's so monstrous. She's so Klaxosaurish. Like a Klaxosaur through and through. And Hero gets pissed off and he's like, no. He's like, yeah, as you should. "Mm -hmm." He's like, she's a good person. She's a human. Uh, You don't know her. And yeah. um, and then he leaves. It feels like um, it would be a real tense moment. You like you'd be on pins and needles watching what was happening through the monitors. <clears throat> but yeah. that's not what Hero is about. And he, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but man, he goes to her room. Thought that was an interesting move. Yeah, I mean, you can tell Hero's like one of those Zero like two. emo deep dudes. He like, is going to go to her that. room and touch the walls think about yeah life, he's emo know. screamo as yeah. we'll see later so franks tells him right she's a she's a klaxosaur through and through like it's kind of like i don't know th- this stuff always feels sort of like a almost like a racism allegory or something like that he's like oh she's so beautiful like more beautiful and strong mm-hmm. than like any any human but like ultimately she's just a klaxosaur mm-hmm this came up last episode that when Hero recognized Zero Two, it wasn't, oh, you're the one with the horns and the red skin. It's you're the one with the picture book. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So very different perspective is Dr. Frank's. <laughs> I almost said Dr. Frankenstein. Okay. <laughs> it, it almost feels like it's like a... Uh, what, what, he does that? look like he's been parts put together, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> he's like Mecca Frankenstein. Anyways, ben, I mean, sorry. Frankenstein's monster. I mean, let's be. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to miss the, the reference, but that, um, you know, what's the dinner with the parents or something like that? Like it's. Guess who's coming guess to dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Frank's is, I, mean, I haven't seen that maybe this is a dumb reference but like it it almost feels like it's that sort of thing of like (laughs) the interracial relationship and frank's is like disapproving and you know doesn't see her as as equally human or Mm -hmm. something like that and then yeah the uh, dad who won't take time to understand or think about is just gonna judge and nobody's good enough for my daughter type mm -hmm. of thing you know what i mean yeah, and I think right before Zero Two goes to her room and looks in the mirror, like there is this like kind of look of shame on his face mm-hmm. based on kind of what what Franks is telling him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised. This is is this the first time we've brought up the Frankenstein thing? Because that's definitely part of the joke, right? That there is oh, a yeah, Doctor it is. Franks. This is the first time, and it's that come it's up. not Doctor Franks; it's the Franks. The monster that is also so you can say like that's part of the joke of like when you talk about Franks, you have to say like, do you mean the doctor, doctor yeah. or the monsters, monster, the, the yeah. mechs? Right? Also his face and it also looks like a little bit of a Frankenstein type of thing. Yeah. So squad 13, they're inside uh, plantation 13 now. I think it's chlorophytum runs out of ammo. 
mm-hmm. uh, they're running low on magma energy and then Streletsia that has been carrying the fight the whole time uh, starts to have a very inconvenient existential crisis <laughs> it starts just shutting down uh, so it's a bad situation mm-hmm. um, oh and we got this super cool shot of uh, it was just really quick, but at one point, Argentia with Zorame and Miku in it, like brushes past a window where we see Zorame's mom. Yeah. Just as a like a, a throwback or a, a callback to that episode, but also to give this battle and it's a, the exhaustion they're feeling some higher stakes, right? Yeah, like these mechs are getting thrown into buildings and these buildings are crashing down, but they're like filled with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so many moms. So many yeah, moms. Filled with moms. <laughs> you got to show a mom in the window to like, really so make there's no, you like, feel like the ramifications like, uh, what of what's it? going on. In uh, Pacific Rim, they've got those like safety bunkers, the shelters. God, there's nothing like that in these things. Oh, they that is the safety bunker, oh, the plantation right. itself. If something's inside the plantation, like that's it's it. already done. It's a done thing. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so um, yeah, yeah, while this is it's happening, done, so. Hero goes yeah. to Zero Two's room and is just looking at the devastation and recalling, like, oh my gosh, she was so freaked out. And he sees the mirror that he gave her taped up. Yeah, yeah. like, so this is it. I feel like this is uh, Hero's. Oh my gosh, I can't. I almost said it again. Hero's journey. <laughs> this is the journey <laughs> that Hero is taking. Um, like, he's got his own castle that he's storming right he has to come to terms with this rift between him and the person he loves yeah and i, th- I feel like i don't know they don't say it but i i think it clicks he, he sees that she tried to fix it and she like had something really huge she wanted to talk about and we never got to talk about it maybe there's something to that <laughs> so uh he does something really rash probably stupid he gets into this little training unit that like oh. has no Combat training you at how to make bread training unit, yeah, not with, even like a good with the one. Brick oven pizza paddle. Yeah, oven geez. Deal. yeah. The ready bake oven training unit. But it, it looks like it maybe has some badass rollerblades because uh <laughs> yep. heroes like uh, zipping in and out of these are, did we say carp or roach? Yeah, these are roaches. Ro- yeah. Yeah. These are not carp. Oh, they- water. They're the water. No, Streletia is the carp. <laughs> they would yes. I've fucked it up. Damn it. Okay. Carp don't swim through carp. Okay, okay. I, so, so I think too, maybe the the mirror looking in the mirror is kind of like this moment of self reflection, right? Mm-hmm. And so Frank's has kind of just dismissed his whole relationship with Zero Two, and then you know he's remembering back to who he was as a child, this person that questioned these adults, mm-hmm. right? And, and that was kind of what what led him to Zero Two in the first place. So I That's think he's right. kind of kind of remembering his old self and, mm-hmm. and kind of snapping back into that that same thing where he went and and rescued her from that kind of prison cell room in the first place, right? Yeah. So Hero was originally sort of thinking of him and Zero Two as, as the people that, that complemented each other, that could like figuratively take flight by being like this mythical bird. Then he sort of like lost himself and his internal dialogue was like, who am I? I'm losing myself. I'm going to disappear. And now, like, as you're saying, he's like, it's, it's coming back to him. And at some point he called, uh, called zero to a monster, which was not cool. Yeah. That was a low. 
But I, I see what you're saying, uh, Brian. Like, Hero had, like, built a new identity with Zero Two based around piloting. Mm-hmm. And now he's finally remembering his solo identity, mm. who he thought he was before the incident, right? Mm-hmm. He's piecing that together. Yes. So we're going to go from here to, like, a pretty important turning point. So, yeah, he he's in the uh, rollerblading pizza training module <laughs> and uh, gets wrecked and messes up his head. Shocker. <laughs> Face plants the control console. Yeah. Uh, it's in pieces. Lucky he didn't get decapitated. Yes. And very lucky that Ichigo is probably still obsessed with him and was probably watching his every move. And so Ichigo is right there when it all literally falls to pieces. But Goro, once again, is sort of the one who really sees what's going on. And, yeah, uh, super cool of him to yeah. do that. Yeah, even though he has the crush, he's like in love with Ichigo. Bigger, bigger person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's to get out of his own mecca. You know, like, I don't know what's going on, but like, I realized this guy's walking out in the middle of a giant battle mm-hmm. and being like, hey, man, you got to probably talk about some things like yeah. that's that's. <laughs> I don't know anybody who would yeah. do that for somebody else. You know yeah, I mean? like, that's Go- unbelievable. Goro gets out of the pilot seat, turns it over to Hero, and this is the thing that I thought was it, it didn't really seem like they played it up too much in the, in the actual episode, but I feel like it's super significant. I feel like it sort of answers this question about like what is it exactly that's allowing these two people to be able to pilot this one mech? It's so like in the example of Pacific Rim, it's just this automatic thing that's just based on the technology. Uh, but in this show, like there's something else that has to be going on. And Ichigo and Hero, they've tried to make it work before and it didn't, but now it does. What I'm seeing is that Hero lets Ichigo in. She sees Hero's relationship with Hero. I mean, uh, Zero Two, like all the intimate moments. And like, again, like they don't explicitly say it, but I feel like Ichigo gets it. Uh, She said the only thing she says is like, it's all about her. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's the best way to say this, but um, nevertheless, like they're able to sink and get from point A to point B. Yeah. So I I think you're on to something. I think, you know, the, the mechanics are fuzzy, which is sometimes a strong point and sometimes a detriment. Um, but I think you're right. Hero is like hyper-focused on their goal, getting to zero two. So that kind of lets him connect. Mm-hmm. And then Ichigo never had a problem connecting to Hero because Ichigo is very into Hero, mm-hmm. right? But since the emotion there is mostly the emotional burden is mostly on Ichigo in that moment, it is also no wonder that when they get to zero two, Ichigo takes control. Like mm. Hiro's in the stamen, the pilot position, right? Mm-hmm. But he is surprised at what the mech is doing. Mm. Ichigo's like, no, 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 no. This is my show now. Mm. Um, because she's the one that's actually having that emotional reaction to their pairing as right. opposed to hero. Oh yeah. 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 Like, okay. Focused, but it's not there in the room with her. Okay. Okay. I, 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 that, that. Now, now we get to a part that Pete, Pete had strong feelings about. Yeah. But, but what Alex just said sort of tracks because once Ichigo catches up to lioness forms, Trelezia, it's that sort of slapping the person to like wake them up. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's absolutely Ichigo doing that, right? That's not Hero. <laughs> Hero's not 
slapping his lover and saying, hey, wake up. I mean, and I think she explicitly says, like, I'm going to give you hero. It's like, but you have to, like, you got to take this seriously or like you have to be present or something. I'll let you have heroes. So get your act together already. <laughs> That's how they teach you to say it in school. <laughs> Very mom of Ichigo. Okay. Um, the hatch is able to open. Maybe that's the best case scenario. Uh, Hero's able to get out of the mech, and then the traditional way of trying to pilot isn't going to work. He's got to be face to face with her. But we did miss real quick. Oh, sorry. The, we've been talking around the like, there's almost putting your head in the lion's mouth moments. But in the mech thing, when Ichigo gets them to a standstill, like a grapple moment, mm-hmm. that is actually what happens. Because in order to deliver Hero, into Streletzia. Streletzia's cockpit is in the lion mouth and whatever. The other mechs uh, uh, smashes its face into the lion's mouth. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's when they were fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't understand what was happening because uh, it was heartbreaking to see people on the same team fight. Yeah, so maybe this is why I was thinking of Wolverine earlier. This would be like Wolverine being in that, like, do they call it blood rage? I can't remember what they call it when berserker rage berserker. Oh, mode. Yeah. yeah when, when Logan rage loses rage, yeah. himself. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's definitely what's happening with zero two here. Mm-hmm. Berserker barrage. Berserker barrage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hero does, even though maybe she's not fully conscious or disassociating or something. Hero asks for consent is like, uh, and, and is holding on to these it, horns. On. Yeah. And I thought that was just a really interesting visual. So like the horns haven't just like grown into bigger horns. They turn into antlers and they even go beyond that. And they're like stretched out throughout the cockpit, like sort of stabbing into the, the whole perimeter of it. And to me, what it looks like is this barren holy tree that they've been seeing before, like the, the grand Oak from the garden. And now Hero is like, figuratively, like the uh, mistletoe growing in the dead barren tree. Yeah, and it's also because, like, so much time has gone by, it seemed like she was kind of being trapped by it, like, mm. kind of, like, stuck mm. in this one place, you know? Yeah. And that's why it was so cool that when he uh, asked permission first and then grabbed, and then, like, her horns kind of, like, went away, she could move again. It was pretty good. So... If we're going to look at this as slaying the dragon, I feel like it's got to be a pretty figurative thing. So like for Hero, what we've been seeing him do is like he says to Zero Two, like, talk to me more. Open up to me. You can say anything. And he's putting it all on Zero Two. And in this time, we have Hero having himself be open. So he was able to do it with Ichigo and like let her in to all of his memories. And I feel like that's the change he had to make to make the connection happen. And he also had to apologize so, for saying she was a monster. That's true. Yeah. So <laughs> always have to apologize. For yeah. That. I mean, come on. We, we have the mental uh, space connection. Uh, we get more of this backstory reveal. We see young zero two, like the lengths taken to try to hold on to these memories that Frank's was oh, erasing. Heartbreaking. Yeah. You're banging her head against mm-hmm. the wall like that. Uh, the blue blood spills. Zero two tastes it and gets the recall. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I was with this kid under the big tree. You know, he was in this kneeling position that was like a proposal, like my storybook, and like kept doing it. And we get the quick shot while the torture's happening of like the fingernail cutting the skin. Yeah. 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 And then like the, the storybook 
I don't know. I don't think they say it, but I feel like the implication was Zero Two knew that the book was something that they were eventually going to take away. And uh, she starts eating the pages, like licking the blood, like having it something in you so that you'll be able to remember. Alex? Zero Two internalizes the story. Yeah. And then, like you said, I didn't get that tree imagery that the horns were growing into, mm. but Zero Two internalizes the story and then becomes the holy tree mm. from our golden bow allegory, mm. right? And then when Hero finally gets through and the horns, the, the roots or the horns of the holy tree image shatters, that's when we get this inkling that like we're moving beyond the cycle of that fairy tale story. Ah, interesting. And we're gonna get a different ending because this show, I think more than any other I've ever seen, it keeps reminding us of like hey in previous shows you've seen this is the end of the series right but this show is gonna keep going after that okay so that answers the question of like why is this resolution coming at episode 15 because for hero and zero two they have to go beyond the fairy tale because the fairy tale has a bad ending like they need to get past that I'm on board with that. Cool. <laughs> I lost where we are. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're in the cockpit and they're probably yelling too loud in each other's ears. But yeah. um, this is what I. You got to scream, cry at somebody when you love them yeah. and just scream all your issues right next to their ear. And if they love you, they'll mm-hmm. they'll bleed out the ear for you. I this guess. is just like those G.I. Joe PSAs. The fuck are you kids doing on my fucking love? <laughs> Yeah, so most anime, uh, when we have like the characters have their resolution, there's a lot less talking. It's just some bad guy is killed, someone's rescued, and they kiss and scene. But the climax we're given is these two people talk about their relationship, and they technically it's called the power apology. You know, like they say what it is they did that fucked each other up. Yeah, and they just. They have it it's out there. It's an evolved there. way to do things. Let's talk it out. <laughs> That's how it goes. So yeah. plus one for Darling in the Franks. Yeah. That is a, a much more useful example of dealing with conflict than, than what we see in other anime. Mm-hmm. So, something I just um, was thinking about is, right, so here before I tried to have these conversations with Zero Two, like what's bothering you? And both times, one with her horns and one with her teeth, mm-hmm. um, you know, she saw his fear about these things about her, right? And and that caused her to kind of lock up and, and stall the conversation. And this time he literally is like grabbing her horns. So he's kind of like actually touching and, and grappling with oh. uh, this stuff about her directly. And it's kind of like after he does that, that they can actually have this conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. Because uh, it's almost like Hero saying like, you're not a Klaxosaur. That doesn't matter to me. And you're like, no, first you have to realize I am a Klaxosaur. Then we can move on past that. And you're right. Like he kept saying, I don't care about your horns. I don't care about your fangs. And then when it came to like closeness to those things, he actually flinched. And now this time he's like, okay, all right, let's touch these horns. Yeah. Ah, it's brilliant, Ben. I, that also kind of like goes along the the thing of like she says in the show like I learned the word I where like she first learned about herself and then was ready for this kind of relationship you know yeah all right I lost us again 
Oh, it's okay. So we, uh, I think we skipped past one real quick thing. And that was this revelation that inside of each Klaxosaur, oh, yeah, inside yeah. of the core are these little magma things that look like people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. And that was interesting because you were talking about the kneeling from the storybooks and that like little human was either kneeling or sitting uh, before they were like kind of coated in gold and then yeah. died. Mm. Well, almost like fetal position or yeah. something yeah. like that. Mm. But I, I did hear if you if you if you like dunk humans in like a golden nougat, <laughs> it's fucking delicious. So <laughs> I don't blame them. Maybe magma energy is just nougat. Yeah. Mining from well, the earth. What's awesome is I hadn't thought about this, like the position, the positioning, what the, uh, the little magma person looks like, but um, it, it looks humanoid, but it also resembles a humanoid um, effigy, like little, like it looks like a little toy or clay sculpture that's yeah. supposed uh, to look human. Oh, like a homunculus or something. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so they're shocked because this is now in conflict with what they've been told that these things are just monsters, just monsters. Yeah. yeah. Or robots. Like a lot of them look completely robotic. Mm-hmm. They just have like blue blood, which could just be hydraulic fluid or windshield wiper fluid. <laughs> so they've been telling us to kill people like that's what they've been having us do. But there's not enough time, not enough time, not enough time for them to like ask these questions Stop and process <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so the theme song kicks in yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay a so, transformation um I, I was saying this during our uh watch party but like i i do understand a lot of western audiences seeing this and cringing i'll admit it felt a little cringy to me and that's why i prefer to watch this particular episode in the subtitle but uh we get this explicit expression of love and I just have to say, like, if you don't know, like in Japanese culture, uh, you just don't say I love you. There's different ways you go about that, uh, but it's just considered like too much. Uh, and in fact, there, there's uh, videos you can see on YouTube of uh, like westernized Japanese people, like as a social experiment, calling their mom or dad to say I love you just, just to see what would happen because oh, it's wow. just not traditionally done. Parents don't tell their kids I love you. Kids don't tell their parents I love you. If you're interested in exploring that further, that's the issue. Uh, so my feeling was that to Japanese audiences, and it does happen in anime where people say like I love you. It's supposed to be this like huge, huge revelation with like real gravity to it. Like this is much further beyond the norm. So Ben, you look cool. deep in thought. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I went back and listened to it. So, the word they use is daisuke. Mm-hmm. So, so, liking something that's ski, daisuke is like a big, big. a big like for something. Yeah. And so, so, I feel like sometimes when I've heard this thing of like Japanese people don't say love, there's this term like I, AI, mm. which is love. And so, you'd say like, I shiteru is like, I love you. And so, that's one that I feel like people don't really say but, it, but I feel like ski and dice ski maybe are um, a little bit more yes. used. And, and so it's kind of like, I feel like that's always bothered me because it's just like, well, so, so there's a word that translates as love, but no one uses it. Mm-hmm. But then they use this other word that we use in a lot of situations where we say love. So like maybe that other word just means something more similar to like the English version of love or something like that. Like I'm, does what I'm saying make sense? Like yes. it's kind of like like with some of these abstract 
concepts, I think they don't necessarily map on one-to-one and it's it's hard to find the exact translation. Oh, in a similar way to these uh, gendered first-person pronouns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I try to uh, break convention. So I try to tell my mom I love her every single day. Ah, uh, that's good, man. That's awesome. <laughs> do you say it in English or Japanese? I say it in English. I probably should start saying it in Japanese. And which version of love will I. you use? Will you use I? Oh, no. So I, I am not down with Daisuke. Daisuke is just like, I've heard that thrown around about mochis and freaking animes. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but so I think that is the confession of love that, um, the, the one that's socially acceptable. But, but that's the one that they're using this episode. Oh, actually. man. I take everything Daisuke. back. But, but oh, oh, so this is what you're talking about, though, right? So, like in the dub, they're saying, I love you. Right. And but what they should be saying is, I like you a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. You can't walk that back after you I like say, you I lot. love you. You can't. Uh, hey, just to be clear, so we're on the same page, I don't want you yeah. to get too, you know. <laughs> so they're like, this is a really big moment, but let's just not go <laughs> over <Tamper> expectations. <laughs> and take it down and can, can, really I think it is me. just. Yeah, it's just hard to map. I don't know. So so I feel like there's this concept of like the confession of love that happens in Japanese where it's like this moment of saying it out loud. And I, But I think often it is ski or daisuke is like, that's still considered this like confession of love. And that's like, you know, maybe when you go from, you've been on a date with someone to like, you're going out with them now, kind of like once you, once you use those terms. Okay, so uh, you might start with Daisuke, kind of like, I love you, and then, or I like you a lot, or whatever, and then you might switch to I, or what was no, the you other never one? Do. You oh, never, you never, never switch to okay. <laughs> 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 You don't switch to, I'm in love with you? Isn't there an equivalent to that? Mm-hmm. On on the day of your wedding, it's like, I like you a lot until <laughs> death do us a lot. Right. <laughs> like I we big hear like another you. die. I, I I like you a lot a lot. Die die. <laughs> die, die. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So we still need to get to like the really crazy part that Yeah. So they uh they have this like zero two crying out and being like mm-hmm. Daisuke, Daisuke, Daisuke. Mm-hmm. And they have this kind of orgasm explosion moment where they destroy the giant Klaxosaur. Mm-hmm. And inside of it, well, we saw we get that aerial shot, which is really cool, which shows it has like a volcano on its back, which made me think of like the Zaratan, the Turtle Islands. Ooh. Um, hmm. um, I cool thought you were going to say never-ending story. We haven't spoken to anyone else for thousands of years. So we started talking to ourselves. Oh, oh yeah. Well, the I guess the the tur- idol island turtle uh, uh, appears in a lot of stuff. I first learned yeah. about it in D and D. Oh, Pete, what's um, the, the even, what's the mutant island called in X Men? Krakoa. Yeah. yeah, they they yeah. just killed Krakoa. <sighs> well, the heart is still alive, apparently. <laughs> yeah, they blew its flesh off of its skeleton. Oh, <laughs> as they were saying how much they liked each other bigly. <laughs> All right. All right, where are we? All right. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So the credits, we get the song, uh, the nines. They uh, transform into this new 
being with the little XOXO eyes. Yeah. Like that was adorable, but also oh, yeah, like the tears mm-hmm. yeah. like, mm-hmm. manifest on the Frank's face. Yeah. But it's like this interest uh, to me, we've never seen this, like this expression of love that not only uh, transforms like your individual robot, but like into this other kind of like more evolved, more colorful, like definitely more powerful robot. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I felt like the red form was zero two being their true self because as a child, like before whatever processing mm-hmm. oh, happened, yeah. zero two was red. Red, she was red. Yeah, here it is again. Red. Yeah, so yay, uh, ape is happy. They get their giant crevice, crevasse, crevasse. <laughs> the people who survived, who didn't have to commit suicide or have their city sacrificed. Or their mom's murdered. Uh, or their mom's murdered. Are I guess they're happy. Uh, but then uh, Zero Two's spider sense goes off. You know, I, I to set it up like uh, this mountain Klaxosaur had a cluster of cores and multiple mm-hmm. of them. So the speculation was that this thing's going to explode, blow up everything. We got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Spider sense tingling. This gigantic hand comes out of the grand crevasse in its effort to reclaim the cores. It smashes Plantation 13. Luckily, Mistletane uh, survives by being in between baby hand fingers. Yeah, thank you. Because it wasn't just a regular hand. That was a giant baby hand that came out of nowhere. Okay, so you can't just you know just say hand you got to be very specific it paints a very specific picture oh yeah they had that little pudgy figures it was <laughs> it adorable did. It did. It did. but it was murdering millions oh yeah all the moms inside the plantation oh but, but it leaves Slush. that one little kind of mushroom shape yeah thing. yeah that's, that's just the mistletane on top uh, okay so um which lucky yeah okay come on like the hand is obviously like okay maybe it has a diegetic explanation but the hand is a literal deus ex machina it is the writer going oh but we can't have one yet this isn't the victory Ooh. so the hand has to come back in and be like hey everybody slow down Let's not count this as like one yet. It's like a meta thing. But as we all know, babies, you know, sometimes they just spads out. <laughs> you know, if maybe it didn't have enough nappy time and all the noise up top was making it mad. You finally connect with your girlfriend and, uh, you know, you get laid and then the the baby. <gasps> the baby. Hand. Oh, no, um, it is. That's why it's a baby hand. It's the shadow of parenthood. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That classic, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a kid? <laughs> yeah. Oh, now that you two are together. Yeah. Oh, you said yeah. So how long wow. have you been together? You said, I love you. Yeah. yeah. Baby hand just <laughs> slapping you right. back. Daisuke, huh? <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Baby hand. Yeah. And that's 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 the end of this story arc. Yeah, and the dialogue and the uh and the animation goes up to the very last frame. Mm. Like there is no black at the end to the point where yep. when you're watching it uh you expect credits to roll after the dialogue stops, but the video is just over. And I was like, "Oh, did it freeze?" No, oh, that's the end. Got it. Got yeah. It. So if you're watching this in Japan, like it immediately cuts to like a ramen commercial. <laughs> it's very jarring. Okay. Red Robin, and and Yum. I guess they um they talk about the the birds again, so they kind of like finish that. Oh arc, yeah, 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 we, yeah. We set up. Was that in episode one that we got that that mm-hmm. story? That's where we started. 
And then we talk about the Gian again. Uh, and then this episode has named it. And yeah, like, I'm so glad you brought us back to that, Ben, because it's both of them, right? They keep switching off which Zero Two or Hero, which voice is saying the lines. Yeah. And then they finish the last line in uh, together. Uh, They're yes. both talking together. They're in unison as one. Okay. So what we could probably expect going forward now. Oh, 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 what's up? I just had a question. Like, do you think that would be annoying for the other robots? Like if you ask the robot and then they both have to talk at the same time, every time it's like, all right, we get it. You guys are in love. You're now one, but like, seriously, you know, do you want fries or do you want a soda? In there? So that's a spoiler for episode 16. Yeah. <laughs> just the, them talking in. In 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 sync. Oh, that's it. Yeah. The two of them only talking for the rest of the yeah. series. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh man, it is gonna be a knock. Yeah, it is very difficult to be around. Like when two <laughs> of your friends start dating and they decide they're in love, and yeah, yeah, it's just too much PDA happening, and you're just yeah. like, oh, come on. But that does bring us to the end of the episode. So, does anybody have any final thoughts on that before we do wrap up stuff? Uh where it was going themes i guess what you love so ben have you seen beyond this episode i think this might be um where it dropped off okay so i'll ask this question to ben and pete like where do you feel like the story might go from here well you got to follow the baby hand and see what's on the other end of that you know what i mean (laughs) gotta go back to the mushroom you know mushroom imagery maybe maybe we're gonna take a trippy turn here and things are gonna get yeah get trippy a lot more psychedelic follow that Uh, baby hand down that rabbit hole (laughs) yeah so, so there has been a lot of stuff about so far we've talked about kind of relationships and people pairing up and finding connections and we've also had these kind of themes about reproduction and, and society. And so now the baby hand has just smashed the, the old society completely. Mm. And so they're going to have to, to recreate some kind of home and, um, you know, figure out, figure out how they're going to keep, keep humanity going. Right. Pease the baby hand. So it doesn't lay the smack down again. <laughs> so what do you think that hand is connected to? Like just a giant baby? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what what do you think else uh, like a snake a on the tangle, other end of that a yeah tangle like, of hands yeah, it's just oh, like, grasping uh, it's a barrel of hands i do i do think in the next episode though hopefully they'll circle back to the gray people and maybe take a little bit off their plate like you guys look stressed can we help like <laughs> you know like let's dust you guys off and see yeah, what's right. going on you know don't tell them they blew up <laughs> I feel like we've, we have kind of seen these like bigger structures that then break apart into the, the claxosaurs. So I feel like mm. it, you know, could just be kind of like a mass of those, those smaller claxosaurs. Like what's that? What's the dude from Rick and Morty? The a million ants. Uh, oh, yeah. a million ants. That's yeah. his name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I just want to say as someone who's walking in off the street, um, I was really pleasantly surprised with the animation uh, I really love like animation that kind of like evolves movement, like the smoothness of kind of like the characters moving throughout the world is really awesome to see. And like really just some badass shots of like that, like kind of like lying through the smog where you just saw its mm-hmm. eyes and then just like 
unbelievable just kind of action sequences and then explosions that like change the color of what you were watching like just really fantastic attention to detail and really just like taking the art and kind of pushing it in such a way that like the storytelling and everything just feels so fluid yeah. and i was just going to say the uh like anime music kind of like just fun kind of like classic really uh hitting the moments uh and in all the ways that kind of like anime canon it was just really uh it felt good it's a feel-good show as far as like you know walking away being like i don't know what that baby hand meant but like <laughs> like having a grasp on things you know what i mean of like yeah. i had to watch this twice because things were happening so fast yeah. i couldn't read and watch yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like i had to pick one and so like i missed some stuff and had to go back and watch it again but like really really well done i would definitely recommend this to people who like anime ah cool yeah it's definitely very dense and and there's not not like a ton of hand holding it's it's fine with just having having some stuff go on and it's like well if you catch it that's cool but if not you know we're just going to move on to the next action sequence yeah yeah, this this episode did have this one shot that I really liked. Uh, it's when Squad Twenty Six. Uh, it's I. It's one of the times when we see the kid and his hair has turned gray, and he's like talking to somebody, shouting in the monitor, and you can see through the glass another one of the mechs is getting thrown towards him. It starts getting bigger and bigger, and then that's when the scene ends. Like when the mech hits it, I was like, "Whoa!" I, you wow. know, like uh, like Marvel Studios, they've done a few tricks like that that I thought were cool. I just I'm a sucker for those kind of uh, those kind of shots in an, in an action scene. Yeah, they're they're looking at it artistically, even though it's action oriented. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very cool the uh, way to kind of do that. Yeah. Okay. So um, some questions for Pete. If if someone watched this and really enjoyed it, what would be something you could recommend to them uh, that might give them the same kind of feels? Well, geez, I don't know. Like, um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be anime. Hmm. Okay. Ooh. Thanks for opening it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship stuff makes me think of like, you know, because like the guy finally realizing like I have to evolve for this relationship to work or, you know, like I need to step up and own what I said and explain it in a way that makes it so somebody can understand and then give them the space to kind of share their thoughts. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of like a TV show because it's, there's so many episodes that like, I don't want to insult it by comparing it to something that's a little lesser. Right. But yeah, I I just think it's like the moving, like it was very moving, the darling, the I love you's very over the top fun. I want to say like a Riverdale because it's so fast paced. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Wait, were you saying like Riverdale, the TV show, like the yeah, high school yeah. drama? Yeah. yeah another yeah. one. I mean, it's not just a high school drama. I mean, there's I, crazy I, things I've watched them, I've watched happening. In that. I mean, there's yeah. bear attacks. They're what? dealing with alien stuff. There is oh, like whoa. crazy, like cults going on. Like uh, one of the main characters lost a kidney. Like it was crazy. Oh, man. wow. 
but that's another show that comic book club covers right yeah yeah, yeah. i kind of went to a go-to of my like what's something that's kind of like uh that i have watched a lot of episodes so it kind of clicked for me right but it's so fast-paced and so kind of like in your face over the top you know that's what made me think of it all right and so if someone wants more pete lepage where can we go to find you Oh, yeah. Go to comicbookclublive.com. That's where we have all of our podcasts. But, uh, you know, if you want to just look for me specifically, if you go to YouTube, type in Pete LePage. I have a couple like moth stories up um, and stuff like that. But, yeah, mainly I'm doing uh, podcasts about nerdy TV shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Get your podcasts. Love it. I, I This is probably a, a crazy question because, like, you put out so much different kind of type of content. Is there like one thing in particular that uh, you're like, especially proud of that you might point someone to? Um, I think the biggest kind of like our uh, most viewed things are we had uh, Bill Hader and Seth Meyers on, on comic book club and bill Hader and seth myers did all the bits that lauren michael said were too nerdy so it was the first time bill Hader did his tauntaun uh getting killed uh thing and was on our show so that was pretty huge oh, that's awesome uh but also uh, kevin conroy who's the voice of batman was yes. on yeah. our show and he told a very touching 9-11 story. Wow. Um, and he is like one of those like classically trained actors who are just one of those like in real life, just like a very classy gentleman who, you know, cares very much about people. So it was like, it was hard for him to tell that because like uh, he had told us off air and we were trying to push him to, because we were like all, and when first time he told us, we were all kind of in tears about it. But uh yeah, it was cool that he trusted us again to kind of like open up and tell that story. Yeah. So that was kind of our big kind of, it was just one of those moments where it's like my nerdy life and everything kind of aligned to yeah. kind of like be able to, uh, uh, it was pretty neat. Ah, that's incredible. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Okay. So is everyone cool? Pen. Pen. Pals. Darling. <laughs> Beautiful. So Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a real, it was a pleasure spending time with you guys. This is a lot of fun. <laughs>